Ultron, Lex Luthor, Doctor Doom. Some people say a superhero is only as good as their villains, and there have been a lot of great supervillains on the big screen, and maybe not so great ones too. Welcome to We Understood That Reference, where on today's episode, we'll be talking about what makes a good supervillain. I'm Claiborne. And I'm Nikhil. So, first off, what are your top three favorite of all time supervillains? Great question. Uh, I would say probably Joker, Green Goblin, and probably thanos oh yeah thanos that's a good that's a good modern one um joker there's been several um iterations of him do you have a do you have a top top pick you know it's really tough because uh heath ledger and uh joaquin phoenix both knocked it out of the park yeah i I agree there i think i think i would probably put joker in my top three as well although (laughs) that's aside from those two I do really like um, Jack Nicholson's Joker as well. Oh, okay. I need to rewatch uh, that the original Batman. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's still. I think it still stands up. Like um, you know, so much has been done with Batman just in general over over the decades. So you know, it's interesting to see all of the evolution and changes there. But but Thanos, I feel like Thanos is a pretty pretty popular one these days, particularly because of um, you know in game and the MCU. I don't know too yeah. much about what he was like in the comic, although I heard that his justification is slightly different. <laughs> yeah, it's totally different. That he different. basically is doing it for love, right? He's trying to impress a girl. <laughs> yeah. If we get into Thanos, and this could be a whole episode on, on Thanos probably down the road, but um, my big problem with him is um, I think it works fine if you just accept the fact that Thanos is ignorant, <laughs> <laughs> but then it works because basically like it's just, you know, he had all the power in the universe and the best he could come up with to solve all of um, you know life's problems was cutting the population in half when he could have just as easily created more resources True. or created you know a better distribution system for those resources mm-hmm. uh, you know he could have eliminated poverty he could have eliminated cancer he could have eliminated disease but his op- his choice um, didn't make sense in that you know in a, in a logical way That's true. but if you if you yeah. accept the fact that in his mind you know he was a true believer he thought he was doing what's right then it works i guess and um and, and it makes it a pretty pretty good interesting villain because at least in his mind he's he's setting out to do good even though you know it's clearly a flawed notion right you can kind of empathize with him even though you know his logic really doesn't make any sense yeah yeah um, and it's true that like um, population grows exponentially so if you look at the time the population of earth was like four four billion people it was only like 50 years ago yeah and you know we i think do we have we can sustain like 10 billion people um is what some scientists calculated and obviously like we're going to hit that at some point by the current population growth but the other thing is that as um you know as societies advance uh birth rates drop so in reality you know population is still going high right now if you look at it from a global perspective but you know like places like japan uh population is declining and uh even the u.s you know it's not it it, there's a lot of the population growth in the u.s is probably from uh immigration versus you know, if we were closed off, mm, you right. wouldn't be uh, growing quite as much because the birth rate here is just lower as it is in um, more developed, uh, more advanced uh, countries. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So not to get too uh, sidetracked with Thanos, but I do think um, one quality that makes a pretty good supervillain, in, in my opinion, is uh, that they believe in whatever it is that they're they're doing. You know, I think mm-hmm. sometimes you have a tendency where it's kind of maybe bad writing 
where the bad guy has to be bad because, you know, he's the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And so if you can convince not only the villain that he's correct, but convince the audience that there is a is sort of a way that he's he's right too. It's sort of like how um, Anakin says, uh, you know, from a certain point of view, the Jedi are evil, you know? Um, right. Or from whatever he says, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil. So, you know, obviously I don't think... <laughs> I don't think the case was very, very well made in Star Wars for <laughs> the Sith being possibly good because, uh-huh. you know, they're very caricatured as evil. But over the course of like all of cinema history, I think there have been several villains like Thanos where you can at least see the logic in it in his mind, even if it doesn't make sense once you really think about things. Mm-hmm. But that's sort of how um, a lot of, I think, villainy in real life, um, you know, it's not intentional. You don't set out to to be a murderer and just to Mm-hmm. you know be a bad person but you do bad things because you think that you know it's it's leading to something better right and i think that's one of the really good things to like teach kids or you know a, a great kind of nuance to to learn is like the the gray scale of life like things aren't cut and dry good and bad there's always you know everyone sees things from their perspective and usually you view someone in a negative light because of your perspective not because they're a bad person yeah and i don't know if maybe um does joker sort of fit into that because i think with the heath ledger version it does seem to me there's there's some kind of greater purpose there that he's getting at. I, I don't know how well it's fleshed out in the movie, mm-hmm. but I think he's trying to make a point about sort of Gotham being almost like too wrapped up with itself and that like the elites of Gotham don't care about what's going on. And so he needs to make them feel the pain sort of. It's sort of like, right. you know, everybody let everybody slip into chaos and then maybe somebody mm-hmm. will do something about the problems in the world instead of just kind of brushing them under the rug. Um, at least that, that's sort of my interpretation. I think it was something kind of in that vein. Yeah, he's kind of an anarchist. Yeah, but then there is kind of that side of it too, where did he really have, you know, a greater purpose? And I think a lot of the other Jokers, not so much. Uh, this latest one with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, there was a lot of, you could see where he's coming from and you can see his mm-hmm. sort of uh, fight with the system. Right. But again, like the answer then is just anarchy. And you kind of wonder, is it to solve a problem? Or is it just anarchy mm-hmm. for anarchy's sake? Well, I think like in the Joker, they they kind of went out of their way to establish that, that he did not have any like political motivation. It was just him dealing with his own personal issues, and people kind mm-hmm. of they um, ascribed it, their, their own, own their own thoughts to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then you do see, though, as like an outsider, you can watch it and you see, even though this was his personal problems, you can kind of see how his personal problems were were also the result of, uh, you know, a corrupt system. Oh, exactly. Especially with, um, you know, the thing with Batman's dad, if all of that sort of was true, you can see how, you know, someone well off can discourage and, and, and disparage uh, his mom and get into all of this kind of uh, situation and, you know, lock her away, lock him away. And just kind of like push, you know, these people down mm-hmm. into their place, so to speak. And um, yeah, so I, I think I think no, there was totally. an element of that. I mean, we could see it even if he didn't necessarily make the connection. Yeah, I, th- I think that the whole the whole movie really made you empathize with the Joker character and kind of his personal experience uh, and and the way he felt the system was oppressing him. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I guess I would say my top three. Uh, I think Joker would be up there. Mm-hmm. I think another one would be Lex Luthor. Because I've always liked, 
especially the Gene Hackman. I really like the Gene Hackman version. Uh -huh. And I will say that I, out of the whole DCEU, like you know that I, I'm not a fan of those movies, but I will say that I, I think they got Lex Luthor right, even though there was a lot of backlash, and I know it's not a popular opinion. Oh, really? Um, but they got that guy, uh, I forget his name, um, uh -huh. what's it, Jesse Eisenberg? Eisenberg. Yeah, Eisenberg yeah. to play him. And I thought it worked because it was an interesting um, modernization of Lex Luthor because Lex Luthor was this old-timey uh, industrialist. Mm -hmm, and right. like our generation, we, we don't know what that means. You know, we don't know uh, who Rockefeller <laughs> was. We don't, we don't know these uh, industrialists. Uh, so we're so far disconnected. But if you think about it now, who are the same type of people these days? Like who, who are those people? Mm -hmm. It's Mark Zuckerberg. It's Elon Musk. It's these like, mm -hmm. you know, Silicon Valley uh, tech billionaires. And so having Eisenberg come in and basically play Mark Zuckerberg, mm -hmm. I thought that that worked because uh, Lex Luthor was that capitalist industrial, industrialist villain uh, back in those days. And that's who the sort of person is now, or even like a Jeff Bezos or whoever. <laughs> Jeff Bezos kind of looks like him too. Yeah. And I think Jeff Bezos in, in real life, uh, he, he kind of is, he kind of is a super villain. So, so yeah, I think, you know, I, th I thought it worked. I thought it was a good choice. I think a lot of the backlash probably just comes from the fact that, uh, you know, people don't really want to see the nerd kind of character mm -hmm. as a super villain because it feels, you know, it doesn't feel as intimidating, right? Like nerds are supposed to be looked at as 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 kind of lowly as weak you know they're not a threat mm -hmm. they're not to be taken seriously as a threat and um to take lex luther as opposed to like a riddler or um uh, maybe even joker to some extent who are kind of have these kind of more nerdy qualities about them where they're not so much a physical threat but lex luther was more of a imposing figure you know he didn't get physical necessarily all the time although he did have that suit that he would wear i guess in the comics but uh you know the the old Gene Hackman version. You know he didn't do a lot of fighting himself, uh, but still, like he, you could tell he 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 wasn't he he still was a tough guy, and he um, was very uh, you, you know intimidating and and authoritative, and I, I think that that works as a supervillain and as opposed to um, the Zuckerberg approach, which uh, maybe seems a little cowardly, uh, but it, it is the reality of the world we live in now. So I thought it worked for that reason. That's true. It was a pretty cool cool update. I think that the uh, Lex Luthor is one of those characters that can support their own movie and like have a fleshed out origin like like Joker. There are very few characters that I think could could support that, but I think that uh, if they did like a really like detailed character study on Lex Luthor, that would be a really good movie. Yeah, and I think too with him, you know, there's that issue of he's not just being a bad guy because he's a, he's bad, you know, like he's he's maybe selfish you know he's he's he just mm -hmm. wants to you know have power and money and, and and all of that but at least it makes sense like he's not trying to go out and just hurt people because he wants to hurt people yeah and he also has that like inferiority complex versus the the hero like uh, like J. Jonah Jameson and and Spider-Man and Lex Luthor and uh, Superman they kind of have uh, they're kind of jealous in a way yeah and I think you mentioned the Green Goblin was another one of your favorites yeah I think for me like like you said um for for me, like the what makes a good villain is the uh, relationship with the hero mm -hmm. and like the personal connection. I think that is um, what kind of makes a good good uh, uh, good supervillain for me. Um, so I think the the Green Goblin really um, embodies that because he, he has the most like personal relationship with Peter Parker and, and and when you know when he attacks him, that's what he attacks is you know his personal life. Yeah, and with um, 
was wasn't there a Franco like uh, James Franco or something? Was he a Green Goblin at one point? Yeah, he was the the second Green Goblin. Okay, and so th- those movies weren't very good, right? That was Eduardo from the Sam Raimi Facebook movie one. Um, oh no, I'm talking about Sam Raimi's trilogy, like the original. Okay, the so original that was Franco three. That was Franco. Which one had um, Willem Dafoe? That was also the first one. The okay, because he was the dad, right? Right. So Franco then sort of inherited the role. Correct. Okay, yes, because I was thinking, so uh, to me, it seemed like um, the dad, Defoe, he, Defoe's just great as, a, as a, an actor, so I think it worked sort of for that reason. But on the personal level, I remember the Franco one being more interesting because it was like, the, basically, he was, you know, friends with Peter Parker. Like, he knew him <laughs> on a more personal level than than sort of the dad. I think the dad knew who he was and knew, uh, knew of him, but he wasn't like... He wasn't important to him, you know, like he didn't care about this kid. That's true. Like when the best friend becomes like the villain, that's kind of a mm-hmm. compelling story more so than, oh, my friend's dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> sort of like um, the vulture connection too. Um, is oh, an yeah. interesting one with, sure. uh, with that reveal of him being, uh, I guess, his future father-in-law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's even more compelling because it's like the girl you're dating and then her, her father not approving because it's already like an antagonistic relationship to begin with and then you add the superhero dynamics on top of it yeah so i don't know if i mentioned i don't know if i uh said my three or not how many did i say i said joker and lex Luthor, Uh right yeah um yeah then uh, i i don't know i i don't know if this counts since he's not he's not really a super villain but i always thought that a really great villain was jafar I always liked Jafar oh, from yeah. Aladdin. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, he had technically had superpowers. He was a sorcerer. Um, and I know we've talked about Aladdin a bit in the past. Um, but I thought that that worked really well, particularly because um, being animated, he was just drawn to be extremely evil looking and feeling. But then also it, it was funny how that never really occurred to people in the in the in, in like the reality of the show like nobody ever looked at Jafar and was like well you're clearly evil <laughs> you have the evil goatee and everything the mascara. Uh, and then also just sidekick like I think that's what um, also makes a great villain sort of like how you know superheroes have their sidekicks as well but I feel like the sidekick mm-hmm. to a superhero is less uh, important really uh, whereas the supervillain like they really need that um, kind of right hand man that henchman uh, character oh, yeah. and I thought like Iago that bird uh, was just such a such a great counterpart uh, to Jafar as well. That's true. You need someone to like banter off of, have that like um, someone for them to talk to, and also like if they're a comedy relief, that that also helps sometimes. Yeah, I, I don't know if if I've ever I haven't mentioned any MCU villains, and I guess because you said Thanos, and I think Thanos seems like the obvious one, but I will say that in terms of maybe worst villain, Ultron comes to mind uh-huh. for me. I don't oh, know where yeah. he, where he, where does he, where do you feel on that? Yeah, I'm not a not a big fan of Ultron, mostly because the mouth moves, and why would the mouth move? <laughs> I also just didn't like. Oh, this is, I guess, my problem. The MCU has been great. If it's fine, like I, we enjoy it. Um, there's no nothing really terrible about the MCU, really. But there's a lot of things that they could do better. And I think one of the most glaring issues is their problem of um, just just kind of fighting faceless bad guys for the climactic scenes oh yeah and at least thanos like he was kind of a uh, you know always this looming figure which i think helped oh, true. ultron when you finally do come to fight ultron it's just a bunch of versions of him flying around as robots i guess and you're just punching these robots uh whenever loki came into the sky 
you know, he just re- released a bunch of random aliens and you're punching them. And even Thanos, whenever Thanos comes at the end, he's got his like army of these other evil aliens, I guess. And everyone's just shooting and punching them. That's true. And so like, that's the thing I hate most about the MCU. And so for me so far, the MCU, I would say that the best um, villain that we've seen is um, um, Mysterio. That is that that his name? Oh, Mysterio? really? Yeah. Guy played by uh, oh, who, who played choice. him? <laughs> um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, Gyllenhaal. Yeah, because I thought because I loved how they portrayed him as. Like you didn't know where they were going with him. Like obviously, I guess if you if you're familiar with the comics and you know, like you know, Mysterio's the bad guy, right? So you you sort yeah. of can figure out where it's heading. But I think if you forget that, if you just if you don't know that that's the way they're going, it's really interesting to see uh, this character who essentially is being built up as the good guy, and uh, he has this close relationship then with Peter Parker, and he's looking up to him as or as, as Spider Man, he's looking up to him as as a superhero. Uh, I thought that was a really great angle to take, and then having that like rug pulled out from under the um, you know the main characters there, and he's the mm-hmm. actual villain. And then also too, what was an, I think another interesting approach to it. Again, I'm not that familiar with the comic book Mysterio, but in this version of him, he's a whole team of people. Like yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal I guess is the representation and maybe kind of the lead of it all. But I liked mm-hmm. how it was a whole production of people behind him that was um, you know putting on this character i thought that that was such a such a unique take like we've never seen i think you know a a hero quite like that or a a villain quite like that yeah that's true and they brought back the guy all the way from iron man one um the the actor who was in uh, a christmas story yeah to be one of the the scientist people he was like fired or whatever Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah I, i like i like that one why is your skin green why are you glowing what the hell is with that mask I guess now is a good time for a quick ad break, or it would be if we had any advertisers. We do have a Patreon, though. You want to tell the listeners about that? Sure. So it's patreon.com slash W-U-T-R. Pronounced water. Exactly. But it's spelled W-U-T-R. Water. Anyway, people who like our show, they can go to Patreon and support the show. If you donate $3 a month, you'll get a call out in our end credits. And for $10 a month, you'll get the credits, call out, and access to our monthly Q&A live streams. Very cool. And with that support, we can hopefully make the podcast a lot better. The audience has been growing, so we really need to upgrade to some professional equipment. And hire a professional editor. Yeah, definitely. I guess that's it for the ad for now. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash water. W-U-T-R. And support the show if you enjoy listening each week. Now let's get back to whatever we were talking about. Uh, do, uh, do you have a first name? What do you mean, like uh, Ralph or something? Um, but otherwise, I, I, I don't know. The MCU's, I think the MCU has been kind of weak on heroes. I think Loki gets on my nerves a bit. Again, like I'm not a big fan of <laughs> Thor, but the whole Thor-Loki <laughs> thing, it's just, it, it gets draining after a while. It's just like, you know, you can't just constantly be punching him in the face and have him you know, threatening to destroy the world. And then you say, oh, he's my brother. So, you know, I'm not going to kill him. Like, you, you got you to gotta pick a side. You're either, he's either a good guy or he's a bad guy. And if he's a bad guy, then you need to get, get on with it. Um, so I, I don't like the kind of ambiguous nature of, of Loki. When Loki is quite clearly a bad guy, like, it, it's a different thing if he, he ever goes for a redemption arc, which maybe they'll do sometime, but haven't really done a great job of uh, so far. They've tried to humanize him a bit, but... 
but he's not he's still not he's not a good guy and i think just being the god of mischief it's kind of hard for him to ever be a good guy yeah i think they like had him like be a little bit more of a villain in the avengers and then he became very popular yeah i think that's why it feels off too right because it's it feels like they're sort of See, they, I don't know if you ever watched the TV show Heroes, but I think this suffered from the same problem because the villain of the season one was this guy named Siler, played by, um, uh, he's Isn't done a lot Milo of things. Milo something? No, no, no. He, he played Peter. Milo Ventimiglia played Peter. Yes, yeah. I want to say Zach uh-huh. something, but I, I don't know. Um, shoot, I can't believe I forgot this, but Siler, the actor who played Siler, just became mm-hmm. super, super popular from the show. And the first season, like, he was, he was a great villain. He was... Um, he, he had all these kind of um, crazy powers. He had the power to basically take people's powers as well. So he was constantly mm-hmm. getting more powerful as the as the show would go on, basically. And then he was also a mystery. Like, you, you didn't really know anything about him. The characters were just, they didn't know he was out there yet. And they're just, you're, so you spend the whole season trying to figure out, like, what's this Siler guy? Who is he? What's he really about? And uh, how powerful is he? And so it was a really great villain. And then the actor was really famous. The character was really popular. And eventually, obviously, he's the villain, so Siler is defeated. And then it goes on to season two and season three, I think to season four. And so you have to figure out how do we keep dragging the Siler villain along? And they really did try to make him a good guy. They gave him this whole redemption arc, and he's struggling with, um, you know, how he's been a murderer and he's a villain, but now he's trying to do good and he realizes the error of his ways. And it just, it comes off as disingenuous because you know you know it's coming from a place of we want to keep this actor we want to keep this character because yeah. he's popular and it just it just doesn't quite fit yeah. i honestly thought that that show ended after season two yeah i think <laughs> i think it should have i remember season two the ending was the season two was fine like season one uh, was really great it was perfect yeah, season one was season great. two they had another um basically it was like they saved the world season two they had another oh the world's still in danger and it's fine okay whatever and they kind of wrap it up and it's wrapped up nicely enough then there was more seasons after that i don't remember how many i think four total um but at that point they they just really didn't know what they were doing or where they were going it was it was it was a mess oh wow yeah and then they came back for a a, a return one not too long ago oh really yeah and that was just a uh, terrible wow i just remember season one was great that's it <laughs> yeah, we could do we could do a whole episode on, on heroes sometime. Um, it was you know it's definitely unique for the time too. Uh, it was a, mm-hmm. it was before a lot of the superhero craze. That's true. Uh, I guess that was sort of taking off, uh, getting popular, but nothing really in that vein of a kind of like everyday people uh, being superheroes like that. Oh yeah, that's true. And also, it was before like streaming was a thing. Yeah. Other than Loki and I guess um, Siler, have you do you know of any other villains that have sort of redeem themselves or become the good guys yeah and in a, in a, in a fortunate way i think because the winter soldier was one of my favorite villains but they made him a good guy yeah that one seems a little unfair because it's essentially he's always been a good guy he was just caught and brainwashed for a bit and made into a bad guy i think it would have been really cool if um like he he started off as a bad guy kind of became a good guy again and then went bad again but have there ever been like i think i think x-men plays with this a lot i I like with x-men how magneto is not necessarily evil like he's always um you know he's always coming from his perspective of uh surviving the holocaust and knowing what yeah uh, humans can do to people that they consider different Mm -hmm. um so everything that he does when it's in that perspective 
it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, he's, he's really fighting for himself and his friends and his, what he would consider his family. Um, yeah, that's true. So, so, so that's always been an interesting um, supervillain to me. And then the dynamic, of course, with him and, and, and Charles has been great, plus elevated by the fact, uh, you know, those two actors in the movies are amazing, even the, uh, the young ones uh, as well. Uh, but definitely the, uh, the the older versions of themselves. Yeah, that's true. That's one of the things that those, like all those movies got right was the dynamic between those two characters. Yeah, and then but then of course, you know, with other X-Men ki- villains, I don't know. Um, Magneto's obviously like the big one, but there's, I guess, other villains in there and they probably range uh, from being, you know, sophisticated to maybe kind of laughable and, and evil, right? <laughs> true. I think a lot of them kind of fell flat in the movies, especially like the Juggernaut, who's supposed to be like a big villain. It's kind of a joke in the movie. Um, I, I liked uh, Days of Future Past, but I can't even remember who the villain was actually right now. Um, is that the Apocalypse one? No, it's the one before that. So that was was that the one where they were, so they weren't in the tomb or whatever, holding off, and then no, no, it's get... the one where they go back in time. Okay, Days of Future Past was the first one where they introduce the young people. Is is that no? That's first class. <laughs> okay yeah that makes sense uh first class they should have named the second one second class i guess um <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know there's been the, the x-men are so hard to keep track of now with all the different the different timelines and what's going on and different actors playing everyone so i i, I don't i don't know what's going on there but uh days of future past so who do you think might have been the villain um i think it may have been like mystique in the past because it's like they want to stop that's the one where they go back in time and uh, they have to stop someone from getting assassinated. Yeah, I guess Mystique's a good character where they um, sort of transitioned her again because of the popularity of the actress, probably. Yeah, that was the hundred percent. But reason. she really works better as as a villain. So I I don't think I've liked seeing her much as a kind of walking that middle line of she wants to be a good guy. Um, she's she's always seemed better when she's a lot more um, antagonistic, uh, a bit sadistic. Um, cause now, whereas like a Magneto, I think he's a lot more of a, more of a, more of a philosopher really, you know, like he's, he's leading the people into what he thinks is going to be a better world. And she's like this soldier that sort of falls in line with him, but she's like a true believer and kind of takes it to the extreme where she, she seems it works really well when she's playing it up like that, where she's, you know, a hundred percent in on just basically killing humans because, you know, screw humans. <laughs> uh, whereas, um, I think Magneto's a little more diplomatic uh, when he's, you know, not in his suit flying around and crushing people. They were trying to do like the uh, uh, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X kind of um, allegory with, when it comes to like Magneto and Professor Xavier. That, that That's kind of a cool element because it's kind of um, kind of mirroring society a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Are there any other villains that you can think of that were like modeled after somebody in real life? I guess it's kind of kind of um, rude to... to consider malcolm x a villain but um certainly i guess a a, a different uh philosophy in line with um uh, mlk mm-hmm. i think that like um the new star wars the force awakens had like serious like nazi and world war ii um parallels yeah but those were those are kind of always there um going back to the original star wars was quite clearly the empire was nazis when they were always meant to be nazis it seemed like even like the way that they like stood and paraded themselves around. Yeah, I'm sure there's probably been a lot of um, probably been a lot of uh, villains inspired by by the Nazis, and I guess like Wonder Woman as well. The the villains and 
they're all basically Nazis. Yes. Uh, yeah, at least in the movie it was. Yeah, so they were kind of pre, pre, pre-Nazi, but still clearly headed in that direction because the the villain in that movie, I, I, I didn't care for him much. The actor was a weird choice. Um, and I guess it's confusing because there's a there's a reveal um, of who the real villain is. But uh, when she's going up against who she thinks is the villain, which is, I guess he ends up just being a regular guy, right? But he's he's a, a bad guy in real life. He's just not a super villain, right? Oh, like he's just basically. I a, don't remember. So there was this, and there was this basically like the German um, officer, remember, who like was uh-huh. running the show, yeah. sort of. And uh-huh. so she was convinced that he was the war, the 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 god of war. And so she was right, trying to right. kill him all the time and going after him. And it turns out, nope, he was just, um, you know, a normal bad human. Uh, I guess there was um, some some indication that he was perhaps manipulated by uh, the real God of War because that's what the God of War has done is basically uh, manipulated humans into fighting each other. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, that one was I, partly because of the the reveal and all of that. I think that kind of added, it kind of muddied the waters and made some confusion there. But also just, I don't know, that German act, Act, the the actor playing that German character could have been a lot better, I think. Um, the the woman though, who was like the poison expert, uh, I thought that worked really well. If you remember her with the face, she had the oh, yeah. she had some kind of deformity or, or, or scarring uh, where her mm-hmm. like um, I don't remember the specifics of it. Something was messed up about her face, and so she would wear the mask mm-hmm. because she had I guess like an accident from the acid uh, oh, smoke yeah. stuff or whatever. And uh, mm-hmm. she was like the chemist that was creating the bio weapon for them. That's true, and she looked cool too. Yeah, yeah, I think, and that's a, probably a big element, right? You gotta, you gotta look the part. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like you have to seem menacing, you know. Although sometimes it works the other way, where it's like, um, if you don't seem menacing, it, it, you kind, you can kind of trick the audience. Yeah, like um, Wreck It Ralph. Oh yeah, who was the villain in that? <laughs> um, well, spoilers for Wreck It Ralph, <laughs> but um, King Candy. There was the reveal. The, it was a, that was such a great reveal. The, the reveal in Wreck It Ralph was that King Candy, who was the the um, basically the king of the candy land that they live in uh, there, mm-hmm. he was actually a character from another video game that had been unplugged or something like that. Oh, and yeah. in order to escape, he ran to the Sugar Rush arcade okay. and edited their code, and he um, made himself a character in it. And so I think he was actually like a, a Turbo Man or something like that. Was he was his name was uh, Turbo something, and oh, uh, maybe okay. just Turbo. That was his name possibly. But um, but yeah, that was that was a nice kind of reveal because he seemed genuinely like a good guy. Like he was definitely over the top, um, charming, like a Willy Wonka type. But it was you know mm-hmm. Candyland, so you expect that kind of behavior. So there was nothing too suspicious about it, just because. You know that's that's what this whole world has been about is just um you know all these crazy candy puns and everything yeah interesting yeah i think you and i saw that together didn't we wreck it ralph or maybe the second one the second one i think we probably would have because that was fairly recent wreck it ralph was uh, quite some time ago i think oh okay maybe it's the sequel i'm thinking about yeah the sequel i don't know i don't really remember if it had a villain are there any other movies uh superhero movies in particular where like there haven't really been a villain. Uh, Civil War kind of didn't really have a villain. Captain America: Civil War. Um, it was kind of Captain America versus Iron Man. That was kind of cool. Yeah. So they were um, kind of each other's villains. Yeah. You had you had Baron Zemo, but he was kind of in the background. You know, he wasn't like a um, a big force in the movie. Didn't take up too much screen time. 
um, which I really liked. I, I thought that was really cool. That was that's still one of my favorites of of the entire MCU. Who else didn't really have a villain? Or like a big villain. I think even in like an Iron Man three, like you had the Mandarin and the fake Mandarin, but I think the real villain in that story was like Tony's PTSD, and in that one, he really is just Iron Man versus anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I wonder if maybe they kind of um, they kind of mess up by pushing a villain into a story where maybe they don't really need one. Yeah, well, I think you kind of need one to sell the movie. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the problem. But that's what I'm saying is like you could end up having. A pretty good movie kind of like joker in a way where like joker mm-hmm. obviously joker is the villain but when you when he's the star of the movie he can't be his own villain he's now the protagonist right and so like joker right. never really had a villain like he had robert de niro's character who never even knew who he was who was sort of um you know uh, this he had this kind of strange relationship with he had obviously batman's dad um who he had in his mind this kind of relationship with and they had this um little antagonistic moment but in terms of there being an actual villain, you know, there wasn't one. And, you know, you could have just as easily switched it. And this could have been a movie about Iron Man or something like that. And just his struggles with, mm-hmm. you know, just living in society and, and trying to trying to get, get where he wants to be. Um, and I'm surprised that we haven't really seen a lot of that from superheroes, particularly the MCU, since it's gone on so long that they could really devote, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of these standalone um, solo movies to more of a character exploration in in the vein of something like Joker. Yeah, I'd really like to see that. Um, so it's kind of like you can have a movie with no hero, but you can you cannot have one without a villain. And even in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two with Ego, he was a villain, but you know, it wasn't like yeah, a- they had other things to do before getting to him and and everything. So. Right. Yeah, I guess that's interesting. I like whenever you can kind of take some time. You know, in a way, a villain is kind of a distraction, right? Because it's just right. kind of like yeah. artificial uh, drama added to it, added to the story. That's and true. You you kind of want them to just 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 let the heroes go, um, deal with deal with their problems for a while, and then you know mm-hmm. they can get back to saving the world from some some crazy person later. Yeah, that's true. I think that's why sometimes if there's too many villains in a movie, it gets bogged down because they shouldn't be, you know, they should be like the counterbalance to the to the hero and not um, like the central focus. You know, I think a lot of movies that people complain about, like Spider-Man 3 or uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 or like even even movies that, was, you know, even things like Batman Returns, I think was too focused on the villains than the hero. And I think, you know, that it doesn't work well that way. I think and I think it does work if the villains themselves have an interesting plot. I, I, I It's been a while since I've seen Batman Returns, but like Catwoman, I, as <laughs> far as I can recall, did not have anything really that interesting going on. Her storyline was basically she was a crazy cat lady who fell out of a window. The cats <laughs> licked her. She got this cat disease. And now uh-huh. she's just going around terrorizing places. The Penguin, I think he sort of had a better story because I think his story was something like, you know, he was orphaned and he was just out for revenge, and so to speak, on like, I don't remember if they were literally his parents or just sort of society representing, uh, you know, his parents or the, a society that had forgotten him. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of what his actual goal was, I don't know that that was very clear. Um, so I think when you have a, a villain like Thanos who has a very clear objective, mm-hmm. And something believable where it's more than just, you know, creating chaos for the hell of it or, um, you know, just going out and being a bad guy or 
or even just having um, a, a, a crazy uh, relationship with the hero and just wanting to antagonize them. When you have a hero that has a clear objective, something that they believe in that, in at least in their mind, makes sense and is um, for mm-hmm. a greater good. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, then I think it works really well. And I guess, yeah, I guess it's hard to have when you have multiple when you have lots of villains, like they can't all have right. clear objectives with yeah, a good goal. True. Yeah, they need to have that like clear motivation that you can kind of empathize with and understand. Yeah. Speaking of clear motivation, then what the hell was Doctor Doom doing? <laughs> Did you watch the the yeah. latest um, Fantastic? Kind of, yeah, I think thing, you and right? I saw it together. So uh, well, that was that was a weird one. And Doctor Doom, from everything else, seems like, like I don't know if I've ever seen on screen a good Doctor Doom. Um, yeah, hasn't doesn't exist. He seems like a good character in everything else, like I've seen. I don't know in the comics, but like in video games, he's often one of the main guys. Like he's he's a pretty serious um, villain. Yeah, he's supposed to. And be. the name Doctor Doom is great. It sounds like he he runs this country. So which, how cool is that to have your own country? Yeah. Um, so he seems like he would be a pretty awesome villain. But every time I've seen him on screen, uh, it's just it's never really worked. Hopefully they'll bring him into the MCU pretty soon. It'd be cool counterbalance to. Um, to Black Panther, because like they're both kind of leaders of their own country, and oh yeah, Wakanda going to war with uh, Latveria. Oh yeah, that that could be a really interesting story too, just because of the the dynamics of of war, sort of, and as well, because like there's always the joke of, or not really a joke, but I guess it's a, a fair premise here that you know when you go to war with a country that you know the politicians and these rich men send other people to go die on their behalf, mm-hmm. and so this idea of you know if if the leader of your country is a superhero and the leader of the other country is also this like super powered person <laughs> uh-huh. then why send yeah. your armies obviously the armies would still go because you know it's the mcu and they have to have lots of nameless people punching each other for the big <laughs> climactic battle but yeah. you know what people really want to see is black panther fighting dr doom and you know the winner winner takes all uh, so that that, that could be, be cool. a, a pretty interesting movie, I think. I've heard a similar thing is is like the rumor, but it's going to be Namor and Atlantis instead of yeah Doctor Doom. That's mm-hmm. that's the actual that's the rumor right now. Um, actually, in in Endgame, they had that scene where uh, there was like a an underground or uh, there was an earthquake in the ocean. Uh, if you remember at the beginning of of Endgame when yeah um, all those guys are checking in with Black Widow. Um, I think it's, uh, it's Aquaman coming to save the day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that was a, like a, a reference to uh, to Namor and, and Atlantis. That could be an interesting one. Are there any um, villains in particular that you'd like to see on the big screen that you haven't? I want to see them do. Uh, I want to see the MCU do the Green Goblin again, um, and I want it to be like a scary kind of a thing. And I want him to have like a rubber mask and you know because so far he's not he's not in it right so so far in the spider-man world mm-hmm. of the mcu yeah that character has not been introduced in any way right uh, no he's not and i want him to like slowly build it up like yeah i want to meet you know norman osborne and not have him be the green goblin for like three movies yeah i mean that could easily be a, a, a three movie arc mm-hmm. yeah that's that's kind of what i want to see maybe with uh spider-man 4 you know when he goes to like college Kind of like they did in in the comics. And did you say in the Tom Hanks? <laughs> in the comics. Oh, okay. But <laughs> you said in the Tom Hanks. I was like, when did Tom Hanks play Spider Man? Wait, wh- I don't remember this yeah, one. That would be. Maybe they okay. should get him to play Norman Osborn. Oh yeah, that'd be a good one as Mister Rogers. Uh-huh. But yeah, in, in the comics, he he doesn't meet 
the Osborns until he goes to um, Empire State University. He goes to school with Harry Osborn, and then uh, Norman Osborn is introduced a little, a little later. So what supervillains right now that we've kind of grown up with do you think are going to be iconic? Like we're going to be remembering, looking back on them, um, you know, 30 years from now. Like we look back on Danny DeVito as Penguin and largely forgotten. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Darth Vader from Star Wars stands out. Jack Nicholson's Joker stands out. Mm -hmm. Heath Ledger's Joker will probably stand out uh, for for decades to come. Bane is probably not going to stand out, (laughs) for instance. (laughs) Uh, So there are a lot of villains that, you know, some of them, even if they're good and fine during their time, they don't really have the staying power, the staying power to be iconic, you know, decades and decades from now. That's true. I think that, you know, in the same way that um, Darth Vader was kind of... uh, um, the villain of like a generation. They tried to do the same thing with Thanos and make him into this big, um, like a big villain that, that you can like, empathize with in the same way you kind of empathize with, you know, Anakin Skywalker. Um, and I think that they tried to make Thanos like the the Darth Vader of our generation. Yeah, so we're probably going to get the, um, the Thanos prequel trilogy is what you're saying? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's what the... Um, the Eternals is it might be I'm not sure I guess he you know he's all CGI so you could um, do it pretty easily yeah baby Thanos running around racing uh... (laughs) could be a a crossover (laughs) with boss baby yeah (laughs) that'd be pretty funny I hope they don't do that that would be horrible (laughs) well I I think we covered most of the, the major villains at the very least but you know I'm sure there's there's a ton of villains we could get into so um, you know, maybe we'll do another episode specifically on villains at some point, or maybe even an episode on some spe- on some specific villains. Thanos certainly could uh, be a good one for that, and the, the many incarnations of Joker. Um, so, you know, s- be sure to subscribe, stay tuned for for those uh, continued discussions. But otherwise, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, and tweet us who your favorite villain is. Oh yeah, definitely. Who is your favorite villain? Let us know at WUTR Podcast. Hey, it's the end of the episode. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or whatever you listen to podcasts on. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at WUTR Podcast. If you like the show and want to support it, check out our Patreon at patreon.com WUTR. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for more superhero stuff.